This week, Sister Hannah Norman continues the series on the meaning of life in a lesson on long-suffering with thankfulness. Sister Lopez, they have been more than just leaders. They have been friends and got me through the past four months of my life while I was planning a wedding. So thank you so much. And thanks to my wonderful new husband who has listened and heard every word of this almost. So thanks for listening again. Um, I'm going to start off just by talking about Psalms 119.105. The... Does anyone know it? Psalms 119.105? Okay, let's turn there. Let's see. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is to be a guide for us. And sometimes I read the word and have no idea what I've just read because my mind is in like 348 other places. Does that happen to anyone else? You just read and it's not there. I talk to my students all the time, like, okay, guys, the assignment is to read this section. And at the end of every paragraph, you should be able to tell me something that you read and they just don't get it. But I do the same things um, when, when I'm reading. And I was thinking about this. The word of God is really supposed to change us. You're supposed to read it and read to understand, not just to check it off your list. That's what the word is for. It's to change us, to mold us. And so if you felt down, if you've been discouraged or confused, or you just want to know what to do to draw closer to him, let the word speak into your heart and hopefully we can get something tonight out of it. I'm going to be teaching out of Colossians. We've been um, kind of going over chapter one. We, we didn't go over nine and ten. Brother Kilman's actually going to jump in and do that I think next week. But let's go ahead and read Colossians 1, 9 and 10. For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Brother Kilman is going to tackle all of that, but I want to give you a background because Paul is praying for the church. Verse 11 is where I'm going to pick up. So Paul is praying that we will be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Strengthened with all might. He had, Paul had previously prayed that the church would have knowledge, and now he's saying, and I want you to have the strength to follow the knowledge. How many of you guys, sometimes you think you know what the right thing to do is? How many of you guys would say, sometimes I know what the right thing to do is, and I say, nope. <laughs> I teach middle school, so I see that happen all day long. And then I do the same things to the Lord. He says, we need strength to stand. We need strength to flee temptation, strength to live a life above sin. Paul is praying that we will have strength with all might according to his glorious power. Not the strength from ourselves, but a strength from God, a strength that would supersede what we are capable of. We've, we've heard people say it, and you've probably said it yourself, I, I just don't know how people live life without the Lord. I, I don't know how people lose loved ones and 
do that without the comfort of knowing there's an eternal reward. I don't know how people battle sicknesses. Brother Rodenbush said it himself. He said after he had just been battling sickness after sickness in their family, he said, I don't know how people do this without God or without the church body. Have you ever been encouraged from just the Lord or the church body? Just knowing that someone else is there praying for you. This strength is bringing glory to God's name. It's not of myself, but him. And our attitudes during those trials should show that we have a different strength than the world, a different source of strength. This doesn't mean we won't have trials, of course. It doesn't mean we can't ask God big questions. Brother Kilman says God's big enough for all of our questions. So you can ask him whatever question you want. And I love that. I find that so encouraging. God's big enough for my big questions. But it doesn't mean we aren't vulnerable to, to feeling down. It, it just means in those hard, hard trials of life that we are able, we have access to the Almighty One, our Redeemer and Creator, and ask Him for strength. It's the kind of strength that brings Him glory and not me. The kind of strength you feel and find when you should not feel strong. You know the time where you felt broken and lost, and He found you. That's the strength he gives. He is able to comfort. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The everlasting arms. It's the strength that you find when you thought you were falling and suddenly you found something to carry you. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience. One commentary said, you know, patience, so that you may be able to bear your trials without complaint. And I read that and was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Without complaint, like, I feel like I can go through the, the battles and I, I know God's going to strengthen me, but I just want to talk about it. I just want to complain about it. Um, I didn't really like that. I was listening to a podcast the other day on Focus on the Family. Shanti Fieldhansen said, it doesn't actually help to vent. It actually makes your problems worse. Brain scientists have found when you vent, it actually further activates the brain's anger system. It's not like letting out steam so you don't erupt. It would be equivalent actually to turning up the heat under the kettle. So all those times we're venting, like, I just got to get this out. You're actually keeping it in and making it worse, which I didn't really like that because I like to talk about my problems and complain and get it all out and then be like, yeah, I, I feel better, but I don't because it's still going in my head and I might feel more validated in what I felt before. Let's go ahead and look at James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. 
temptations. Brother Brzezinski, you talked about it a few weeks ago, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of flesh. And I think sometimes we forget that what's included in those temptations is fear. The fear of failing, the fear of what others are going to think about that, the fear of God not taking care of you. Because Satan wants you to live a life of fear that God's not going to make a way. Well, it, it's not going to work out. That there's no answer going to be found or the answer is going to be so uncomfortable I just won't be able to handle it. Yeah, that's how Satan wants you to live your life. But God is saying, listen, I want you to live a life above that. Are we going to be tempted to, to fear? Are we going to have to walk through hard times? Yes, of course. But God has called us to live above that. We should even think that it's weird to not be tempted. It's, it's something that's going to come. We know that the trial of our faith worketh patience. And I, I've read this so many times before that it just like didn't click in my mind. And I, I told Zach before, I'm like, listen, I'm going to say this. Is it going to sound weird? Does everyone else get this? And I'm the only one like getting it today. So maybe I am and maybe this is just for me. But we know that the trial of our faith worketh patience. When your faith is on trial when you feel like you're almost going to lose it, patience is beginning to work in your life. And to exercise Christian patience, we must let it work. When your faith is on trial, when you feel tried, patience is beginning to work in your life. We must rejoice in the troubles because they are working patience. Think of something, don't share it with the class, like I have to tell my middle schoolers, please don't share. <laughs> Think of that thing in your life right now that's annoying or frustrating, aggravating, you just don't understand it, you can't get the pieces together, you, you feel like you're trying to put a puzzle together, but you must have seven different puzzles and no picture to frame it around and it's the sandpaper of life that just rubs you the wrong way. That's the work of patience in your life. But we have to ask God to help us rejoice because of this trial. To let God work in you. Why don't we let him work in us? Is it because we want to be in control we're scared, we're angry, we're bitter, we're selfish. Whatever the reason is, we have to submit ourselves to him. God, I want you to work in me. And the thing I love about serving the Lord is that we can have a hard time with something, with what God wants from us. And the same thing we're having a problem with, we can ask God to help us. The one who's demanding we do it, is also the one we can get help from. Many, many people have gone through trials and have overcome them. You've probably heard of most of these. Winston Churchill said this, success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. We just keep going. My favorite podcast right now is Dave Ramsey. By his 30s, he had to file bankruptcy. 
and now he is the leading financial guru with an estimated net worth of $55 million. Thomas Edison said, after trying 9,000 ways to figure out a light bulb, he said, why would I feel like a failure? I now know all these ways a light bulb will not work. Success is almost in my grasp. Walt Disney was fired because they said he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. We now know that his company is a multi-billionaire company. And I was talking to Zach and I said, I wonder if the little office that fired him, I wonder if they have a plaque in there somewhere. Like, yeah, Walt Disney used to work here before he, you know, became famous. They did not accept these hard circumstances, though, as failed attempts alone, but opportunities to grow. Opportunities to succeed. You see, somehow these ordinary people found joy in the pain of patience. Because patience does require pain. Job, we know, lost everything and ended up with so much more. David knew he was anointed to be king. Not only had to wait to actually become the king, not only had to sit under a horrible king, but had to hide in caves and flee from that king. And all the while kept the good attitude of a servant and respected King Saul. And when he had the chance to take King Saul's life, he refused because he knew that God had anointed Saul. And Moses, when God called him, he was hesitant to go to Pharaoh. I think it was five times, he get, five excuses he gave the Lord. Well, I can't do it because of this. And, and what if they won't listen to me? And I'm not, I'm not really that great of a speaker. And all of these reasons, he was unqualified. He was nervous and reluctant. But he finally goes. And what does Pharaoh do but make the Hebrews work harder? And the Hebrews turn and point at Moses and say, this is your fault. I'm teaching on Moses to my seventh graders right now. And I, I ask the question, how many of you have thought you were doing the right thing? You do the right thing and then it feels like the wrong thing. And a couple of them shared their examples, and it was pretty cute. They're like, yeah, my mom told me to clean my room. And then she told me to go wash the dishes. So I go clean my room, and she yells at me, why aren't you washing the dishes? Do you guys remember that? Like in middle school, you're just always doing the wrong thing. Do you ever feel like that now? Like you're just doing the wrong, maybe it's not your mom, but your boss or your friend. You're like, I thought I was trying to help, but how is Moses? But God shaped and molded him and continued to use him. And when they get, when they finally leave, Moses has to watch these Hebrews go through all this time. And finally they get to the Red Sea and here comes Pharaoh's army. But Moses has learned at some point to listen to God. And he brings them across on dry land. But throughout Moses' life, the people complain over and over again. But through these trials, God continues to use him. You see, let's read verse 11 again. 
that ye, no, verse 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. It's hard to walk in joyfulness. The next verse says, giving thanks unto the Father. Paul says, listen, the patience we, we have, we need to be thankful for God, thankful to God for it. He is our source of strength. The song says, our source of hope in Christ alone. This is not something you can make it on your own. I find that relieving because I'm not that patient of a person. I don't like to wait on things, but I do have to be willing to trust God in the waiting, to trust him that he knows where I am and he knows what he's doing in my life. You see, these things in my life are requiring that I grow in patience and let it do its work in me. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanks in all things? Well, I like to thank him for the good things, but I don't really like to thank him for the trials. I'm not, I'm not really thrilled about them. But thank you, Lord, for teaching me through this. Thank you for growing my patience, for growing my faith. We know that all things are working for our good. We, we know that God really does have control, but it's a lot easier to thank him when things are going well. When I, when I get the job promotion, when you get the raise, when a new family member gets saved, when people that you meet are just hungry for God, you're getting Bible studies set up, your mom gets healed, you're dating someone, you feel called, you feel appreciated, you feel recognized, you feel on top of it, you've got everything organized and planned just how you want it. But are we thankful when we lose the job? Are we thankful when we're ridiculed because of our beliefs? Are we thankful when our friends walk away from the truth? Are we thankful when we're broken up with, when we feel alone or ignored or unappreciated? Do we thank him? Because he's still very much on the cross for us in those situations too. Brother Kilman, you said, where is God in suffering? Yeah, he's on the cross suffering with us. In those hard times, you might not feel very thankful that you lost the job, but I'm thankful that I know a God who is my provider. I'm thankful that I know a God who, who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and I, I don't have to worry or be afraid. Because when I do my part, he always does his part. Verse 12 again, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. It's like saying, which hath made us sufficient to be partakers, because without him, I am nothing. But with him, we have everlasting life through him. It is him who makes us a new creation. It is him who makes us whiter than snow. It's not of yourself. 
It's, it's not how good you can be. It's not how many things you can get right in the day. It's, it's him. Yes, Moses, you are unqualified. No, Hannah, you are not patient enough. No, you are not appreciative of him dying on the cross enough. Yes, we are sinners. All unqualified. But we, when we ask for his help and rely on his strength, we become more than conquerors. I remember in high school, it was just a really tough time for me. My, my family was just really disorganized and broken. And I remember just crying in bed and saying, God, please strengthen me to be better. Please strengthen me to get through this hard time. And I know it was probably one of the first times I recognized that the Lord was speaking to me. And he said, I have already given you the strength you need. You see, I've already, I already had the Holy Ghost. I already had this word. Uh, we already have at our fingertips what we need to make it in this life. You don't have to have some degree or some understanding. You have to know that God is God and I am not. And he's the one that's in control. You see, the pain of patience can be what you make of it. You can decide to let the pain of being patient make you annoyed frustrated and aggravated all the time. You can grow bitterness in your heart because you are tired of being patient. Or you can let the pain of patience grow you and mold you. The pain of patience can truly be the best thing that's happened to you. If we could just go ahead and stand if the music could come. I know this was just a really short lesson, but I think God has something for us. Have you ever, do you feel that? Have you felt that? That pain of just waiting? God, where are you? What are you doing in my life? Are you here? Can you hear me? But we can be strengthened with his might. And our lives should bring him glory because we are waiting on him according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. We have an advocate with the Father. No longer do we have to just have one high priest go back into the Holy of Holies. God became a man to, to reach out to us, to bring us back into right relationship with Him. You guys could just go ahead and come on down to the altar. Let's just seek Him and ask Him, God, strengthen us to bring Your name glory. Strengthen us to know You better, God. We trust you, Lord, that you hold our lives in your hands. And no matter what the circumstances of our world may be, no matter where our lives are at, God, we can trust you that you know where we're at, that you're holding our hand, God, that underneath are the everlasting arms.
It's all in